Last week I shared that uh, growing up, my brother and I did almost everything you could possibly do on a farm. Uh, on a farm, I realized uh, it didn't make it clear that we didn't deal with livestock. Um, although my uncle, we would spend a couple weeks at my uncle and aunt's place every year, and he uh, had a dairy farm, and so we helped there, but we really didn't help. You, you know what, how that is when a kid is about nine or ten. Uh, they're just more in the way. But uh, having served in Wabasso, every once in a while, I would go by a particular field, and it would bring back flashbacks of that particular farmer who called us and, and uh, he asked us, my brother and I, that we would uh, give him the wheat for this 40-acre field. And we said, well, you, you won't need us for a full week. He said, well, you better give me a week. Well, we got out there and there were, there were four of us and uh, we realized what he was saying. The section we began, it was Cockleburr from one end to the other, as far as Cockleper, as far as the eye could see, just completely covered. 40 acres, we're going to be here a lot longer than a week. It turns out we were there two weeks. Uh, we worked about nine or, nine or so hours a day, uh, five days a week. I went through three pairs of gloves. When we were done, we had about 30 or 40 piles of Cockleper. Uh, one of the piles I remember to this day was about five feet tall and he probably got about a whole of five bushels of beans off that field after we were done he almost didn't want to pay us because we killed all his beans but i said well if you remember i told you it might be easier for you and cheaper for you if you just round up the whole thing of course we didn't know what roundup did at that time uh, the, the carcinogen and the uh, other problems that it causes. But that was my, my suggestion. He ended up paying us a hefty, hefty sum and didn't have anything to show for it when all was said and done. However, he hired us back the next year. And I'm pleased to say there were only about 20 spots of Cockleburr. And the biggest spot was, guess where? The five-foot pile. He didn't burn them soon enough, and they rerouted. But it was a lot better. And now, I, when the last time I drove by that field, I didn't see a cockpit in sight. Of course, that was 30 years ago, too, so maybe that helps. But why do I share that? Well, we have a sense of what cockleburr are. Uh, most, most of us are connected, uh, at least we've seen a cockleburr. It has a terrible root system. If you don't pull out the whole root, it's just going to re-root and regrow. The seeds themselves drop quite readily once they are producing seeds, and you have to get all the seeds, otherwise it will re-root and grow. But there's a difference with these particular weeds that Jesus is talking about. He, in, in the Greek, there's a particular word that is used and usually is translated tares, T-A-R-E-S. And the tares plant, sometimes it's called false rye, but it has a particular problem. That at its initial stages, of what you see above the ground looks exactly like wheat. It's indistinguishable. Meanwhile, underground, the root system is growing quite, quite extensively, kind of like quack grass, that it pr pr puts out so many roots that if you pull that, even if you knew which one was a terror, 
If you pulled it, you're going to pull everything else along with it. And so, even if you could recognize, the roots are already too established. And furthermore, we might say, well, so what? You go ahead and harvest. You have a few, a few weed seeds in, in with your wheat. The problem is, tares, the seeds are poisonous. Now, the human body can handle a few, uh, a few seeds uh, in a bunch of wheat, but a lot of seeds in a bunch of wheat is going to poison people. And so, what to do, what to do, what to do? And the, the, uh, the, this, the, um, the slaves, it's kind of a loaded term these days, but the uh, servants of the, the master come to him and say, should we pull those? No, if you pull them, you're going to pull the good wheat along with it, even if he could tell the difference. It would be better. Just leave them grow for now. Then we'll be able to better recognize the false weeds, the tares. We're going to be able to recognize them by their fruits. But for now, leave them. Leave them. Leave them grow together. This parable is talking about the problem of evil. And if we do not think there's any evil in the world, all we have to do is just kind of open our eyes. This world isn't as evil as we, uh, that the media would have us believe, though I don't believe that. I, I don't believe it's as evil as the world uh, seems to be. After all, we have to remember that God created the world to be good. He looked on the world and he said, it is good. In fact, on that first Tuesday, he said it is twice, it is good. It's doubly blessed. And it wasn't uh, until after sin entered the world that it wasn't good. But this, we might ask, well, why does God allow all this evil in the world? Why does God allow evildoers? And most of us have, have had experience of at least one evildoer, whether it's somebody who slanders or somebody who uh, hates without cause uh, or somebody who um, just is divisive, whatever it is, whatever that evil that they are doing is. We might say, well, why doesn't God just remove them from our midst? Uh, I will admit I like, uh, um, uh, I'm a kind of a Marvel fan more than DC, but I watched Infinity War and um, Endgame. And, uh, you know, I have to admit, uh, as uh, Thanos snapped his finger, I thought, well, you know, why doesn't God just do that with all the evildoers? Why doesn't he just snap his finger and cause them to cease, to blink out of existence? And we have it in this passage. It would be too painful for us. It's too painful for us. Because some of those people might be otherwise friends, neighbors, family members. I hate to say it, but it might even be me. It might be you. Because, again, we can't tell the difference by the roots but only by the fruits. God allows evil and evildoers to exist for now because the one thing that a terror cannot do that we can is we can be converted. We can be changed. The Lord can move us. And those are the kind of fruits that the Lord desires, the fruits of conversion. And for now, he allows it. But we know that there is a day when 
evil will be wiped away, when he will send the angels forward and he will take from the good all the evildoers. For those that are accustomed and and know the uh, Left Behind series that came out some 20-some years ago, I have to uh, admit I kind of like that question, will Catholics be left behind? That's a question we always get. And, uh, of course, the author will say yes, and they're kind of sneering about it, yes, unless they're converted, they're going to be left behind. Well, it's true. Unless we're converted to evil, we're going to be left behind. And it's okay to be left behind. Why? Because it's the evildoers that are taken first. There's going to be a time, and this is the good news, that on this earth there will be full justice, full goodness, that evil and evildoers are wiped away on this earth. We're not waiting for a future time and somewhere else, but here. So we, as we gather, we call to mind that we are not cockleper, we are not terrors. We're able to be converted. And perhaps as we take a cue from today's second reading that we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit prays in us with groans inexpressible. As every time I have that passage, you cannot help but think of the profound gift it was to have. Uh, I attended a private Mass with Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II. And before that Mass, we were able to go in and join him for prayer for about half an hour. And there, about ten feet away from us, we heard it. The groans inexpressible of a man who was deep in prayer. A man who let the Holy Spirit dwell in him. A man who was not disturbed by the evil that he saw and must have seen. But rather, a man who placed his trust in the Lord. Who day by day by day was converted, who produced good fruit and encouraged good fruit to be produced. This gospel passage reminds us that yes, there is evil, and yes, God knows about it, but God is a God of love who calls us to help those who are in the midst of evil to be converted.